I was going to say, at least we're not making fun of the Mets right yeah. now. This might be the longest we've gone in an episode of a podcast without bringing up the Mets. What's, I'm trying to keep it that way. I won't pick on the Mets today. I promise. You're listening to the New Jersey Guys podcast, talking all things sports by the fans for the fans. And now your starting lineup, Chris Swenderman and Dan Tantillo. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the New Jersey Guys Sports Podcast with myself, Chris Swenderman, along with my partner, Dan Tantillo, talking sports. And you can find us on Twitter at the New Jersey Guys. Danny, what's going on today? You know, not a whole lot. And I'm actually kind of frustrated with the story that we're going to get into right away. Yeah, it's really... Let me set this up a little bit. Um, First of all, I think just right off the bat, College athletes get have probably some of the most bum raps there is going. It's very tough to be a college athlete. I know everybody says, oh, you, how?" listen, there's a kicker from UCF. He was ruled ineligible after refusing to agree to terms over a YouTube channel. Essentially, um, he you can receive benefits, as I read the article, you can receive benefits from YouTube if you make videos, but it can't be videos on or about anything to do with the sport you play. Okay. And that was in like the fine ter- like the the fine lines of, of, course. of the agreement. Because it's never because it hasn't been brought up yet, so there wouldn't be necessarily a rule or an exception to the rule because it's not something that's necessarily been set in stone. Right. Because we're still kind of new to this whole, you know, making money off of YouTube videos right. things. Yeah, Donald DeLaHaye uh, is a kicker for UCF in Florida and apparently uh, has 91,000 subscribers on YouTube. And, uh, you know, there was something along the way that, you know, it's okay. You can, if you make videos like, you know, how to make blueberry muffins, that's fine. But if you want to teach people how to kick a ball or, you know anything to do with football? Yeah, you you automatically become ineligible. How ridiculous is that? Yeah, is that any different from somebody holding a camp? Is that different from a player having a camp and and teaching young kids how to play in person? It's the same exact he concept. Was, he was ruled ineligible after refusing to separate his account to non-athletic videos in which he can monetize and athletic-related videos which he could not. <laughs> <laughs> contrary, contrary to misconceptions, making a YouTube video and even making money off it is not a violation of an NCAA rule. The NCAA statement said, further, years ago, the membership gave NCAA staff the ability to review situations like this on a case-by-case basis consistent with previous actions. It is a bunch of malarkey. So, essentially, they're saying, we're going to make it up as we go. Yeah, that's and that's what's written in the rules. And everybody's okay with this? This Nobody this didn't... You know, ruffle any nobody feathers. Nobody had a pro- right. Nobody had a problem with this until now, and it's a shame that this is happening, and it's a shame that he's unable to play, and he's not gonna. He's. I think I, I got to give this player credit because he's sticking to his ground. Right. He said the hell with it. Then I'll I'll I won't play. Yeah. You know what? The NCAA is is on a very high moral horse with all this stuff. Yeah. And you know, you make millions, millions. Off these players, off the backs of these players, off the sweat and blood and tears of all these players, they don't see a dime. Granted, 
They get a college education. I understand that. I don't want. I don't even want to get into that argument. But you know what? If they're enterprising enough to make their own YouTube channel and have ninety-one thousand subscribers or more, you know, in in some cases, good for them. Yeah, I mean, why it it literally is like NCAA tries to squeeze every possible dime out of them that possible or steer them away from any type of dollar that they can make for themselves. And they have to understand that. You know, it's besides playing football nonstop and studying nonstop, you do need money. And a lot of these players don't come from money. No, not at all. I would say majority of of football players, for sure, most of them do not come from any kind of money. This is their ticket to be able to support their family for the rest of their lives. So why can't they get paid? Like, like, it, it makes no sense. Like... You know what the it's whole man, like the whole Manzel thing, and I'm not the biggest Manzel fan, but no. why shouldn't a player be able to sell his name? If you're right. so, if you're you know, if you're selling Texas A&M jerseys, that's a different story. If you're selling a football that somebody's bringing with just your signature, right. who the hell is the NCAA to say that? Oh, we kind of own your name right now until you make it. So you're not going to be making any money on that. It's right. a str- like I know co- I've known college athletes and I've seen oh, so the struggle I. that they've had and I've seen people reject a six dollar meal from somebody because they don't want to get in trouble. Yep, you because there's nothing that the NCAA doesn't deem as an impropriety, and it's a shame that players are so afraid to step out of bounds in any sense of the word because. Anything could be illegal, and this just proves it. Now you're getting into the digital age, and now they're saying you can't monetize anything. And essentially, all but admitted, we're just making up the rules as we go along at this point. Did you happen to read or see the story about Dante Moncrief? I think I did. Remind me of that. What is so it? basically what happened was he, I guess, owned a car and then sold it to his younger brother. But Okay. They the NCAA suspended Moncrief because they didn't believe that his brother was able to purchase the car from him. How can you make that judgment? It's the craziest story in the world, and I don't want to get more into it because right. I, I don't remember the full details. But basically, Moncrief got suspended, and that what, what a lot of people don't understand is when a player gets suspended in college sports, that doesn't just hurt. That hurts his value right. when it comes to the future. Well, look at all the Ohio State players, including Terrell Pryor, right. for the autograph scandal. Right. So those players, those their values when they get into when they're done with college, right. those values plummet, right. and they don't make as much money as they could have been no. making because of a technicality, basically. NCAA puts out a football game every year for you know um, for Sony PlayStation and for Xbox. Yet no no player that's ever featured in that gets a dime. Makes, They'll feature their number, their likeness. They can't use their total like, but it's obvious. You know what, who the players are for the most part sure. by numbers or whatever. And yet they don't see a dime of that. Yeah, how is that fair? It's not, and the whole thing is backwards with the NCAA, and it's kind of why I don't think I'm the big. I'm fully invested in college right. football or college basketball. Because I understand the struggle of these players. You know, and everybody wants to make an argument, as I said before, oh, well, you know, they're there for, they're getting a free education. Well, yeah, but they're putting it, look what they're putting in on top of it. And the last time I, I checked, no one was coming to watch a student do a chemistry test. Right. 
you like they, I don't think a lot of the, the people that make that argument don't understand how much money that it's not only making the school right but the entire community absolutely you know how much Rutgers gives back to the state of New Jersey it's exactly. crazy to, to think that these guys don't see a dime and it's very very frustrating to that it's not going to change and it's probably only going to get worse especially as there's more technology and there's more oh, ways absolutely. to make money Right. I mean, you know, it, whether it's YouTube, it's Snapchat, it's, you know, there's so many digital ways to monetize nowadays, you know, podcasts or whatever it is they they can't see a dime in that. And it's just not fair. Yeah. It's really not fair. You know, they work hard to, to be able to, to get to that point because they, they have a dream. Their dream is to go past college football and try to make a living out of that. Right. And then think about it. Like, even like if you're a, a college athlete and you're not good enough to make it to the pros. You still have to enter the real world after that. This is your one shot to at least, you know, try to make something of a name of yourself to get, you know, to, to get, to get a job in right. general, to get whether a, it's right. in sports or not. Right. It's to get a job in general. And it's very, very stupid. The whole thing is stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> you know what's you know what's a little crazy also? Yeah, go Did ahead. you happen to see who got a World Series ring just recently? I did. This How is crazy so, is this? this let's, let me explain this a little bit once. It's a classy move, but at the same time, it's almost like baffling. Yeah, a little bit is. So here's what's going on. If you didn't know, if you lived under a rock for the past year, couple of years, you know. <laughs> I like how like you said, oh, just in case you weren't paying attention for the past few years. Well, yeah, living under a rock. Is, you know. One of those. Steve Bartman. Yeah, you've heard that name before, right? So Steve Bartman was... The dorky-looking guy with the headphones on who reached over to catch a foul ball for the Cubs, and this was 2003. He reached over and disrupted the play. Moises Alou couldn't make the catch. Under, understatement of the year. And, you know, that was, the, that was the closest thing for the Cubs in 2003 to get a World Series. That was the closest chance that they've been, and I don't even know how long at right. that time. What well, that was like 90-something years at that point. And then S Steve Bartman, after that, not only was he threatened, threatened, his life was ruined. Oh, yeah. Like, completely ruined. Had and it's not, even his, it's not even his fault. ESPN did a 30 for 30 on this guy. That's how, I mean, that's how crazy this guy's life got after. He basically changed his name. He, yeah. he you know, left his job. He moved out of the city. And I think the, he moved out of the state. The Cub fans were just ridiculously ruthless to this man. Yeah. I, I mean, when I was watching that 30 for 30 right before the World Series last year, I was rooting for the Cubs at first, and then I stopped. I wanted the Indians to win because of how <laughs> they treated this guy. Well, they're trying to make it up to him because he's now getting a 2016 World Series ring. Because the Cubs finally ended that streak. With they his finally, name engraved in it. They won the World Series, and now Bartman is getting a ring. Do we? What do we think of this? I think for what this guy has gone through, I you know what? When I first was reading this before, and before we we started recording for this, I was I really sat there and I was like, no, I was like, this is just wrong. He didn't play. He, you know, he dropped a ball. Um, you know, he interfered with a play, which is you know on him. Sure. Um, years ago, but seeing so many years later, seeing him abused and you lose so many years of his life to either abuse or just, I mean, just living in hiding because of what happened. 
I think this is the least that could be done for him. I got to be honest. I Normally, I would sit here and go, no, absolutely not. But you know what? This guy really went through hell and back. And for the Cubs to finally win and for him to get a ring literally with his name on it, no less. Yeah. I think that's a classy move by the organization. I think so. But if I'm Bartman, I don't know if I want it or if I take it, <laughs> I'm going to sell it. Oh, I changed my name, so it might not even be Bartman. By you know by what I now. mean? Like, yeah. if I'm, I would be so. If I was this this man, this poor man, and your life was ruined, and everything was taken away from you in a split second because of something that any other person right. in that position in that seat would have done. Look how many other players were reaching for the ball when he was reaching for the ball. It just he happened to be at the wrong place right. at the wrong time, and his life was destroyed from it. Well, I I just. My only argument is against it. If they do this for, you know, for him, you know, do you go back on other sports blunders? Like, does Boston, like, honor Bill Buckner? Yeah, that's and like, that, that's do, where it'll spiral. Do, like, you know, does, you know, Jeffrey Mayer, who messed up the Orioles right. um, against the Yankees when the Yankees were making a run towards the World does Series? Does Romo get a ring because he dropped the... the, the the extra point, uh, the extra point yeah. that he held. Like it's, I don't know if that sets a bad precedent. Like for you know, I'm sorry we were mean to you, kind of thing. You know, yeah, it, no. it's just very, it's a very odd thing. And as a fan, it's weird to see a fellow fan get accolades all these years later for something that he botched. Yeah, year, years ago. It's just, it's very odd. But I. In this case, it's almost to the extreme where you feel so bad for this guy that he was like essentially ostracized yeah. from society, at least in Chicago. Yeah. That he literally had to pick up his whole life and move because he, was he getting couldn't death go anywhere. Threats and, and people were throwing. I mean, the scene from when he was getting ejected from the game is one of the toughest right. things to watch. Oh, absolutely. And I can't believe, and I guess you you kind of have to blame the media a little bit. Because they right. wouldn't get the camera off the guy. No. So everybody knew what this guy looked like. Oh, yeah. And there's nothing he could do. And again, if I'm him, I'm still bitter about this. But I'm taking that ring. I'm selling it. And that's what I'm I'm using that money to start my my new life. Oh, see, I'm, I would never. I would I would never, ever get rid of that. Yeah, I mean, but that's would, one of but those. But would you ever forgive them? It's tough to you say because you're, not in, this, you you're can't, not in the shoes. But it, you can't. Blame the team for what other fans do. It's not the team that was saying with, but it's with the, like it's, pitchforks it's, and and torches after him saying, "Get Steve Bartman. It's his fault." It, the team wasn't telling the fans to do it. It's just crazed fans that were passionate about their team and what really. Let me. I can't stress enough. Extremely overboard on what they thought was anger misdirected towards Bartman for interfering with the play and. Causing them to lose a chance at a world at a much and who's to say world and, and and back to that again, the Cubs blew that. Let me be clear about that. Just because he dropped that ball and he wasn't able to get that foul ball, there were so many missed opportunities right. after that. There were two outs. How do you give up that many runs? If I'm Bartman, when I think of the fans and everything, I associate that mistreatment with the Cubs because it was all they're all there for that one reason. I know, but it's not. The Cubs didn't tell him, the team, right. the, the, I know. the uh, fans but to go do that. I just wouldn't be able to forgive any 
aspect of it, whether that's the city of Chicago, the fans, the Cubs. If that was me, I mean, I I don't know what I would do. It's such a tough thing. And At this point, would would I mean? If I were Bartman, would I even be watching or rooting for any sports at that point? No. I don't know, but I maybe maybe it's some kind of redemption story. Yeah, and him. maybe this is the best way to possibly get that, you know, say Exercise I'm sorry. Exercise the demons. Yeah, for make, sure. Make amends. I don't know, but I think the Cubs are a class organization for doing this, for making the gesture. Yeah. What Bartman uh, does with it after this is up to him, and you got to respect him either way, but... Just focusing on the Cubs, I think it's a class move. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Tweet at us, New Jersey guys. We'll be right back here on New Jersey 101.5 in a minute. New Jersey guys sports podcast. Unbelievable. Learn, laugh, stay informed. Podcasts from New Jersey 101.5. The Jim Gerhardt Podcast. He's talking Jersey again. I hope to continue this. Forever 39. Gen Xers living in the Great Garden State. That's an amazing experience. That's really, really cool. Available now from the New Jersey 101.5 app, iTunes, and Google Play. And we're back here on the New Jersey Guys Podcast. Chris Wenham and Dan Tantillo. This is a very interesting story out of New Jersey with two <laughs> New York Jet football players. Leave it to the Jets. It's always something, and I really can't complain because, I mean, look at the teams that we like. I was going to say, at least we're not making fun of the Mets right <laughs> yeah. now. Have, I was, this might be the longest we've gone in an episode of a podcast without bringing up the Mets. What's I'm trying to keep it that way. I just had to do it because Jets rhymes with Mets. They're both kind of futile. You have to. There's a lot of comparisons in between. But all right, I will pick on the Mets today. I promise. So in separate context of this, safety Jamal Adams and cornerback Morris Claiborne. Formerly of? The Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys. Thank you very much. Um, They both said that they're willing to die on the football field. Um, Let's see what we said. Adams was said, if I had a perfect place to die, I would die on the field. Claiborne said, a lot of people don't believe me when I say this. But I would die out there on the football field. This is my life. This is what I do. I give it all. I would die out there. I mean, a lot of people are are talking about this as if it's a huge controversy. But is it really that big of a deal? I think it is. Only because I don't have a problem with their passion for this, Adams or Claiborne. Claiborne's kind of always been an idiot a little bit from his days in Dallas. <laughs> I mean, you know this. I do. But I think if you have passion for something to the point where you would say you would die on the field, that's pretty damn impressive. But that being said, I think in today's NFL discussions, with so much talk centered around the, you know, the brain injuries and you know the life damaging illnesses. Um, I think there needs to be a little bit more sensitivity there. Okay. And I don't. I don't normally advocate more sensitivity, um, but I think what they said is going to hit home for a lot of people that are suffering from like the CTE. Yeah. And you know do have um, long lasting symptoms and pain and suffering from their NFL careers. Um, you know, I know Roger Goodell, among others, and uh, I'm no fan of Goodell's really at, yeah. at times. I, I think he tries, but I think, you know, a lot of, of a lot of what the NFL does now is just a reaction to, sure. you know, the fan and former players feedback of, hey, this is wrong. This is a problem. You need to get this under control. Um, 
and you know the, the concussions uh, have been an obvious issue, um, a sensitive subject. So I just think what Adams and Claiborne did, I think it struck a nerve because so many people are trying to you know help the NFL avoid these long term problems. Yeah, more or less saying dying on the field. You know, I mean, I was old enough to remember Corey Stringer for the Vikings. Died literally on the, I mean, died from complications on the field of dehydration. Yeah. You know, there are just things that sometimes you need to be a little bit more sensitive. And I think the NFL is really super sensitive to this right now because you've had guys that there are clear tie-ins between long-term effects of CTE and and suicide and you know, NFL concussions um, and other injuries. Yeah. So I think they may have stepped on that third rail. It's it's tough for me because I'm not one to say how anybody else, whether it's an athlete or anybody else, how they want to live their life or death. Who am I to say that you're wrong because you are passionate enough to say that you're, if this is something that you, you would die without this. Who am I to say that that's right or wrong? Because I'm not in your shoes. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know how passionate you are about something. And I know for a fact that there's people that if they didn't have a certain something in their life, they their life would be miserable. Absolutely. You know, there's there's you can you can translate this to music. Like um, on Kendrick Lamar's recent album, he said on a song he he would literally die before his love for rap because he wants to get that kind of his message out there in that platform. He's so passionate about doing right. it that he's saying he's willing to die for it. And I understand that because... Listen, I feel Kendrick, man. My my love for <laughs> rap, if if I couldn't rap, I mean, just, you know, <laughs> kill me now. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's tough for us to say how somebody else should feel about their own mortality. I, I know, sensitive. and I understand it's it. It's so it's, sensitive. I know. You, you just... There are there are grieving widows out there. I mean, look at the kid from the Saints. Yeah, that at wound up with CT. He was the one that the the famous blocked punt. Right. And I mean, I look at it from the family's point of view that like it was never going to be the same. They were at the height of stardom, and then now I mean, are so much pain, so much suffering. Afterwards, and you know all this concussion syndrome. I mean, even you want to. I don't even have to go past the Jets. Look at Wayne Corbett. Yeah, I mean Wayne Corbett has made a life for himself afterwards. But Wayne Corbett for years was, I mean, in pain, had trouble with his memory. Um, said that you know he had uh, trouble with you know uh, sunlight at times because it would be too bright and he would get migraine. I mean, that's scary, scary stuff. And who has to deal with that after? The, the years of being on the football yeah, field, the, the families. families. You're right. But I think it's tough to say with older players because I don't think the research was truly there. I think now, oh, no, I think like no now doubt. that if if a player like Jamal Adams or Maurice Claiborne, they know what's, they know the studies, they know the risks, right? And they're willing to do it anyway. If they're that passionate enough, I can't fault them. Knowing what all the information that we know now, right? I can't fault them for still having that passion and that drive because it's what they really love. You can have that passion and drive, but I think it just could have been maybe said a different way. Yeah, you know, I mean, Grant, you can think it. Sometimes you just don't have to say it. 
I mean, I get yelled at that for all all the time. Oh, yeah. Because I say plenty of things I shouldn't. But it's just something that I think with all that's going around, trying to help the long-term health of NFL players, I just don't think that was the smartest comment. Yeah, and I get that, but I also can't fault them for thinking it, and I'm sure that that is in the mindset of probably half the league, if not more. It's They're in that same mindset. Well, but it's just notice, one thing. It's just one thing to say it. I get that. Right, and if you notice, over the last year or two, that guys are retiring earlier. Yeah, like just last week, Rob Ninkovich from the Patriots, still healthy in his prime. Thirty in his prime, thirty years old, thirty-one years old. Yeah. said, "Yeah, you know what? After almost ten years, I'm done." Yeah, and eleven years. Calvin Johnson, the same thing. But like again, I think that it's tough. Because of the old players, they they didn't know what we know now. Right. And like in the NFL, if you're willing to make that sacrifice and you're w- willing to put it all on the line because you love it that much, I can't fault you. Now, we talked a little bit about the pain that these players are going through when it comes to concussions but and stuff like that. But what about pain relievers? See, there's a thing. Now, the NFL Players Association said that in the NFL, they're willing to potentially work together to study the use of of marijuana as pain management. This was first reported to the Washington Post, and the executive vice president of communication said, we're looking forward to working with the players' associations on all issues involving health and safety of our players. Now, this is still something that is still kind of taboo and something that's not necessarily talked about, especially in the sports world, because players in the past have gotten suspended because of their marijuana usage right. and they're getting in trouble with the law. So now that it's becoming a little bit more in the spotlight and people are starting to understand that maybe marijuana isn't as dangerous as right. a substance as people initially thought, do we think that this is the right move to start looking at this as an approach? Here's, I don't know enough about it to know what it, the pain that these players go through yeah. or how it leaves pain for some players. I'm not going to sit here and, and try to play a doctor and say, you know, you don't understand what these players are going through. No, we don't, because you know what? We're not. Right. We're two guys sitting here talking sports. But you know what I I do know? I know enough guys are getting in trouble and suspended for marijuana when I'm not necessarily convinced anymore that it's that big of a deal. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the thing is when you're looking at addictive addiction issues I'm sure and I I can't because I'm not a player so I don't know but I'm sure the stuff that that is being prescribed to players now I'm sure that's a hell of a lot more dangerous right exactly so I don't see what the big deal is and I think that they should look at this and I think that if it's something that's going to start being more and more legal and I think that honestly in this state we're going to see it in 2018 I think marijuana is going to be decriminalized at least in 2018 well, especially if New Jersey gets a Democratic governor, right. but neither here nor there. But I think you you would see a lot less issues around the NFL and a lot less suspensions if there was some sort of medical, you know, assistance yeah. brought on by uh, marijuana rather than suspending players for it. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily. I I think they're living by a lot of old ideology and I don't think I don't think it's necessarily useful in, in today's in today's society or today's NFL. Yeah, and I would agree with that and I think that it couldn't hurt. I think that 
if this is something that's working and if marijuana usage for an athlete is relieving the pain without getting them addicted, without right. anything that's causing any more serious side effects, then that's only going to not only benefit the players, it's going to benefit the league in general because you're right. not going to get any frivolous lawsuits. And, you know, maybe this is something that can help somebody who's suffering with CTE. Right. We, we really don't know unless we test it. So why not? work with it i mean rather than getting them hooks hooked on things like oxycodone or or other you know pain relievers you know that they're gonna they're gonna take and they're gonna take in a lot, a lot of yeah. and build up a tolerance and then they're gonna have to take more i think you know what i think the nfl at least should look at this from both sides the players association and the league and say Maybe this isn't such a bad idea. Yeah, I'm, and I'm glad that they're actually starting to have a conversation about it instead of just, you know, leaving it as the elephant in the room. Well, the NFL tends to go by a lot of old school rules, yeah. I would say, that, yeah. you know, they need to get... I, I mean, I was doing cartwheels when they announced that they would let teams do end zone celebrations again. I'm like, really? Finally? You're realizing <laughs> this is not... Causing some mayhem among yeah. teams that you so I think with the I think this could be a big breakthrough as far as the NFL kind of getting into the modern age yeah. of and having to realize that you know we and have we don't to know cut, and right. we don't know if this is actually going to be something that is going to be let's just clarify no, like, right. so we are saying that it, it could be beneficial but we actually don't know because we don't know the pain that these players are being through but no. the conversation I think it needs to be had. And I'm glad that it's actually being had because it's been pushed right off the table for far too long. And it's something that's very important for both the reputation of the NFL and the, the safety and the health of the players themselves. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mean the players are gonna be on the sidelines smoking, you know, a blunt during <laughs> during a timeout. It just means that if they can offer them healthy alternatives to getting hooked on painkillers. Why not? I mean, I don't see why you, why you don't. For sure. And that's going to wrap up another episode of the New Jersey Guys podcast. Again, check us out on iTunes and Google Play. We're also available to stream on NJ1015.com and the New Jersey 1015 app. For Chris Wendeman, I'm Dan Tantillo. Thanks so much for listening. We're out.